Father, why are you going to make that face? This is just my face. What are you trying to say? It's like I was eating lunch with the fifth grade girls the other day, and they're like, all right, everyone make like the creepiest face you can make. And then when it came to me, I was just normal. And I'm like, my normal face is my creepy face. Mary-Kate. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Hola. I can't <laughs> handle that. Wow. That was a little too exciting. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not getting to that level, guys. <laughs> You're going to have a pretty tiring week, so I don't blame you, Father. Hey, everybody. It's so good to be with you. That just drained all my energy. I got to walk away now. <laughs> you wasted all your energy oh, on that little statement. Well, mm. hopefully it was worth mm. it. <laughs> Good luck on Saturday night. Ooh, Appreciate it. The That's mother of for. all vigils. Are you doing all the readings? No. Isn't the cathedral not. doing all the readings? <sighs> yep. I think we're only doing like three or something like that. Jason's also singing the Exalted. Oh, yes. Nice. That is my favorite. Yep. If... It's awesome. So listeners, if you've never went to an Easter vigil and you've never heard the Exalted, uh, YouTube it and listen to it. It is fantastic. But be prepared. It's probably 10 to 12 minutes long. Um, but it's totally, totally worth it. The beautiful Eucharistic li- uh, imagery um, and just Christ bursting forth from the prison gates. Uh, and then it talks about the Easter candle made... Um, by working bees and the melting wax and just, oh, okay, I'm going to contain my liturgy. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> it was funny because the other day I was asking my niece if she could help me out during it because I would have all three kids by myself. And mm-hmm. I was like, but don't worry, it would only be like, you know, 10 minutes. Um that you that I need your help and Jason goes not if I sing it really fast like exalt let them exalt the host of heaven <laughs> he better not do that he better he won't exalt we have a let couple them here exalt at- okay sorry I'm done we, we have a couple here at the parish and um the mom helps out as a cancer every once in a while. And it's funny because they've got two little ones. And so dad's there with the two little ones and mom will be up there singing. And the little girl's like, mom, (laughs) mom. (laughs) It's kind of funny. (laughs) I think that's beautiful though, because it just shows like the the beauty of the growing church. Absolutely. Church ain't crying. The church is dying. Exactly. Anyways. uh, So we're going to, jump into the topic before we get too distracted yeah <laughs> because I'll, i'm still thinking about the easter vigil <laughs> still thinking about the exalted and the fl- fire and okay i'm done uh, okay i'm done anyway That's so happened. the distraction <laughs> literally this leads into the topic we're gonna be talking about distractions in prayer uh this has been something during lent hasn't necessarily been a focus of mine for my lent and penance and practices but um the lord has just kind of made me a little bit more aware of how much I really do get distracted in prayer. Uh, and I know I'm not the only one. Um, we all we all can get distracted. We all can get distracted in just our everyday lives. Um, but I want to specifically talk about prayer 
because I do think this is a topic that a lot of people wonder, but they're not entirely sure how to overcome it or if they should overcome it. You know, if this is just, oh, this is just who we are, right? And we don't have to worry about trying to fight against some of the temptations. And I think we can talk about, um, I know Father had put together an article um, with some thoughts, but, and I don't know if this is in here in his article or not, but maybe at some point we can talk about how Satan sometimes can cause the distractions. And then sometimes it's the Holy Spirit, like placing on our hearts something that, that needs prayer that we could view as a distraction. Uh, but really, when it's the Holy Spirit call, calling us, calling attention to something that we should be praying for or someone we should be praying for. So these are just some of the things that have kind of been floating through my mind throughout this Lenten season. Um, and just wanted to hear some of your thoughts um, before we kind of really dive into it. Um, so I'll open it up to you guys. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this is a experience that no one is immune from, right? We all experience, we want to go to the chapel and maybe pray for 10 minutes, maybe pray for an hour. And before before long, we notice that we're thinking about what we're going to have for dinner that night, or we're counting the bricks that are around the church wall, right? And it's like, oh, sorry, nope, I got to be focused. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get distracted again. And then I think we can get discouraged and start to think, well, then maybe prayer just isn't mm-hmm. for me, right? And I think that's the biggest challenge that comes up with distractions is not so much the distractions themselves, but the discouragement that comes with it. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about um, what it is that just like you said, I I put this article together because I'm working with a group of guys who we've been praying at least 20 minutes. The goal has been an hour every day for the last 90 days. And when they mentioned the challenges with distractions, I kind of put this article together of, I think like four things to keep in mind based on what it is that um, the catechism and scripture and some other um, spiritual authors have said about the topic. So I'm excited to dive in because it's applicable to, you know, all of us who have ever tried to devote some time and focus to prayer. Don't die, Mary Kate. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask if you had something to say. You good? Um, Obviously I did. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) um i would say yeah i mean especially as a mom to a bunch of little kids distraction and prayer can be a big challenge um especially during the sacrifice of the mass and so it's um something that i heard once is that when you have those distractions incorporate them into your Mm. prayer um and so usually when I'm at the mass and I'm distracted by the little ones, I'll I'll say, okay, God, I'm here. I'm offering myself to you and I'm offering them to you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that I find helpful. Mm-hmm. I think um, this this thought just came into to my mind. Uh, you know, when we talk about prayer, uh, it, especially distractions in prayer, I'm, I want to just clarify that uh, I'm not necessarily talking in like vocal prayer. So when we're reciting rote prayers, you know, that are maybe before us or we're reading something, but those moments where we're just like sitting in quiet with the Lord, maybe that we've read a pat, we're doing Lexio Divina, like we're praying Lexio Divina, we're praying with scripture and we're sitting there, we're just sitting in the silence and when our mind starts to wander, right? Um, as I think a lot of us, uh, it's, it's a lot harder for us to be distracted if we're just reading something, because at least for me, I, I learned best by reading. So I'm laser focused when I'm reading, but it's when the, it's in those moments where it's like, okay, I, I want to, this line or this word stuck out to me. So I'm just going to sit here 
in silence and ask the Lord, okay, what is it that you want me to hear? So it's that meditative prayer uh, that I'm I'm kind of wanting to hone in on. But also, I mean, like Mary Kate, you bring an interesting spin to this too, because you're a mom with kids, right? Father Kevin and I don't have kids, so we don't. So even in your meditative prayer, um, or even in your vocal prayer, like there can be very like many distractions, right? And so, uh, how do we kind of like navigate through this, right? And I and I think it was um, one of the I don't know who said this. I really don't know, and potentially a lot of saints said this. But recognizing the distractions, or like if a thought comes into the mind, um, how did I forget how they worded it? But it's like when a thought comes into the mind, we don't entertain it; we acknowledge it, and then turn our focus back to the Lord. The distraction really comes when we entertain the thought that popped into our mind that isn't focused on the Lord. Does that make sense? Kind of like, I don't know, Father, if if you had anything kind of reflected on that, but it's it, how do we um, practice, truly practice the presence of God and really keep our minds and our hearts focused on Him, uh, recognizing that when we sit down to pray, like we will get distracted. Um, and maybe that's something that we could talk about as like, well, maybe we go into prayer knowing that we will be distracted, um, like kind of preparing ourselves. So, um, but yeah, Father, go ahead. Sure. Maybe, um, I mean, an idea I had is if maybe I just go point by point of the four points that I talked about, which you're, you're kind of covering all four of the points, but maybe if I just kind of break them down piece by piece, we can kind of talk about pretty much what you've just said, but just um, go for section it. by section. So, um, yeah, so the first thing that I wrote in this article based on um, some of the reading that I did and just thinking about my own experience, I think the first main point I would want to emphasize is that the Lord knows that we have a fallen, weakened nature with various limitations, right? Um, we can think back to the letter to the Hebrews where it says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, so I think it's important to remember that God does not place an unrealistic mm. expectation on us. He knows that we have a, a fallen, weakened nature, that we can't have laser beam focus for the full hour. So it's not like he's just up there going, come on, it's been this long and you still aren't like this monk who's levitating in Tibet, right? right? Like we can think like, that's what I'm supposed to be by now. Uh, we often put higher expectations on ourselves of where we think we should be. Um, than what it is that God actually has the expectation mm. on us for. Um, and so when we go and we experience that poverty, um, the poverty can actually end up being a gift from the Lord. It can be a gentle reminder from Him that um, prayer is first and foremost a grace. It's not something that we earn. Um, St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, the Spirit too comes to the aid of our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. Right? So sometimes the fact that we are facing distractions is itself a gift from the Lord to say, um, you don't know how to pray as you ought. Your poverty means that you need to rely on me to give you the grace to pray and not just rely solely on yourself. And so an image that I um, gave the guys that I was teaching prayer to that seemed to really resonate with them, like they, they've gone back to this image over and over again, is one that a, a spiritual director once actually shared with me. He said, he, my spiritual director asked me, do you have a um, niece or a, a nephew? At that point, I said, no, but um, just just like a, a young person in your family, in your life, whom you really adore, whom you really have a lot of love for. And I said, yeah, I, I can think of someone like that. And 
I said, okay, imagine that little child on your lap. And then they said, imagine if for like the 10 minutes that they're on your lap, um, maybe 30 seconds of that 10 minutes was spent. That child was like looking at you, focused on you, giving you their attention. And then the other nine and a half minutes, they're looking in all sorts of different directions and looking at the bird that just flew by and everything. And he goes, from your perspective, aren't you still delighting in that mm. child while they're there? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, you have to keep in mind, that's like God's disposition towards us. Like if we show up to prayer and 30 seconds of it is focused on him and the other nine and a half minutes, we're all over the place. God is still delighting in us, right? We're like that infant on his lap. And so we don't have to worry about him being disappointed that we're being distracted. Um, he can sympathize with us and he has that kind of affection for us the way that we would have for a small child who doesn't have uh, a long attention span and laser sharp focus. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's just an important image to keep in mind when we talk about this experience that um, the Lord delights in us, even in the midst of those experiences of having distractions. So I'll, I'll pause there to see if you have any follow-up. Yeah, I, the the first thing that, that came uh, is I've been doing some articles recently on just our identity lies, uh, some like the the lies that we believe about our identity, and something that that keeps coming to mind. And this is something Bishop Gruce said because I've been watching his videos that he did. I think last year during Lent on like our who, finding our true identity, uh, and just that we're this the masterpiece of God, like we're the apple of His eye, uh, that He truly delights in us. And so that's the image that, that came to mind that uh, the Lord's just happy that we even just sat down to pray or that we had the desire to even pray, uh, that the Lord just, that he delights in that, uh, regardless of how distracted we get and how frustrated we get because we get so distracted, like the Lord's just, uh, the Lord's happy that we're there. Mary Kate, did you have anything? Yeah. No, I'm just enjoying listening to you guys. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I can move on to maybe the second point then. So you alluded to this, Emma, this idea that when we show up to prayer, um, it's not just me and Jesus time, as much as that would be our desire. Um, There's a third character. There's a third actor on the stage that's present there. And that would be, he goes by many names, right? The enemy, Satan, the devil. Um, Jesus in John's gospel, one of the names he gives him is the father of lies. So as you mentioned, Emma, like he's always trying to feed lies to us. And one of the lies that he'll start to feed us in those times of prayer where we're feeling distracted is, you know, maybe this whole prayer thing isn't for me. Um, Maybe prayer is reserved for those monks who live secluded lives in the monasteries. They're far removed from the hustle and bustle of the real world. It just seems not to be for me. Right. And so we have to be aware that that's a tactic of the enemy when we're in prayer. He doesn't want us to continue to seek the Lord. He doesn't want this life-giving union that God desires to give us through prayer. And so um, he's mostly going to feed us these lies that will get us to become so discouraged um, that we will turn away. And actually, um, St. John of the Cross, when he's talking about even when someone reaches maybe the more deeper, the higher states of contemplation, um, even there... you still have distractions, but the distractions change. And he actually gives the example of sometimes a person will be growing in the spiritual life. They'll get to those kind of higher states. And then one of the things that the enemy will do is that 
he will um, make sure to bring up like sexual images mm. as a person goes into prayer. And then the person's going to get so discouraged and so like, oh gosh, like I can't be thinking of these things while I'm in prayer. And that's going to become so discouraging that they say, I'd rather not go to prayer at all than go and have that experience. And so that's another tactic of the enemy to get us to be so discouraged that we would rather stop praying than go to prayer, even if we experience um, temptation or um, the distractions. So I, I think it's a, it's a, before we talk a little bit more about how do we know whether or not this is the devil at work or whether or not it's the Holy Spirit bringing these distractions, just to make the point that what the enemy is doing in the midst of those distractions is trying to discourage us to the point where we just give up prayer altogether. Yeah, and I've, I know, I've known people um, that say, well, it's so hard to pray, right? Or I always get distracted and so I just don't do it because like, I, don't, there's, I don't feel anything, right? There's that whole thing that our, our faith isn't based on emotions, right? It's not necessarily about what we feel, even though the Lord can give us consoling feelings or thoughts, um, but we go because we love Him. But even still, when we get distracted, it's like, but well, if I'm getting distracted, do I really love Him? You know, I think it's it's very easy to kind of get into that, oh, I'm doing this wrong, and, and then I, thus I'm not going to do it instead of, no, like... I'm learning, you know, like I'm, I'm God's child. And as a child learns, like, so am I learning the way of prayer, the way of communicating with the Trinity, right? Mary Kate. As father was talking, I was thinking about um, the book, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Um, if you haven't read it, it's really fantastic. Um, it's basically written as like letters from one demon to another like um from they, screw tape I, to wormwood yeah and i think wormwood is like the screw tapes like nephew or something like that yeah um, i'm actually currently reading it uh it's it's fantastic and it shows <laughs> yeah. you it basically shows you how the enemy attacks you and how you could let's say you go to mass and you're like wow that lady has a massive hat on or something like that. Um, that's how he's going to attack you um, with with that kind of distraction and, and whatnot. So that's one a really good um, a really good uh, resource um, if you're trying to overcome these distractions. Um, but another thing I thought about too, as we were talking, was prayer is supposed to be a conversation with God, and we have to. Th- I think we often forget that because. If we think of it in that way, I think we wouldn't become as distracted by the things that the devil tries to throw our way, because do we get distracted in our regular conversations with our friends and whatnot? Um, And so I think that's important to note is that we have to think of it as a conversation with our best friend. Can I just, (laughs) this sounds very academic of me, but I'm just going to read the definition of prayer from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, And it's, we, I think we make prayer out to be harder than what it really is, because this is what prayer says in the Catechism. The elevation of the mind and heart to God in praise of his glory. Okay, continues. A petition made to God for some desired good. So we're asking God for certain things, which it's like, I mean, the Lord takes delight when we ask him for things too, right? We're called to praise him, but we all, like he takes delight when he hears his children uh, ask for things, even though he already knows, right? But to hear it from our mouths uh, 
or in thanksgiving for a good received. How often do we thank the Lord uh, simply for, for the gift of life, right? Um, or just some little things, right? So it, prayer could be just a thanksgiving to God for some good or in intercession for others before God. So when we pray for other people, right? Like, you know, Lord, I just, I offer my mass intention today for Father Kevin, right? You know, I ask that the graces that, that come from this Eucharist and receiving this Eucharist go to Father Kevin for, to be a good holy priest, right? Or to, if he's going through something, right? Or for strength or for courage, um, or for Mary Kate, right? Or for the kids, right? Um, it, that could be a simple prayer, right? Um, and then through prayer, the Christian experiences a communion with God through Christ in the church. So it's, Mary Kate, what you were saying, it's a dialogue, but we through that dialogue, we receive that communion uh, with Christ, but then also the rest of the church, the communion of saints. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, the third point was this idea that on the one hand, it can sometimes be beneficial to take note of some of the patterns of my distractions, and that'll be kind of point four. But um, there is something to say in point three that I, I think you're getting at with talking about like prayer is more simple than we often think it is. Um, I promise that we don't want to. I did not look at your document before this. I really do promise. I had no idea what you were talking about. No, no, it's fine. But um, because on the other hand, it it is possible to kind of like overanalyze or just kind of obsess about why or how it is that our mind is wandering. Um, And this actually comes up in the catechism. So you, you brought it up. It's actually just, you know, several paragraphs afterwards. Um, The catechism also says that, Um, The habitual difficulty in prayer is distraction. Okay, so this isn't just our own experience, our own intuition. Like this is the catechism of the Catholic Church saying, oh, by the way, like the perpetual distraction in prayer is distraction. And then it says to set about hunting down distractions would be to fall into their trap when all that is necessary is to turn back to our heart. Right. And I think that that's just a freeing sentence to just say, don't let these things overwhelm you and try to hunt them down. And why am I getting distracted? And uh, and just, I, I think from my own experience and what I see in other people is that we can just get so worked up by oh, like these distractions just keep coming no matter how much I try. And I, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but the image that comes to me to kind of visualize what I think the church is saying here is it's almost like quicksand. Like I, I saw a meme one time that was like, I, I feel like I learned a lot about quicksand as a kid more often than I actually encounter it in real life of like how to get out of it. But anyways, um, like they say with quicksand, like you don't want to try to struggle and try really hard to get out of it. Like the more like calm you're able to be and more slowly you're able to work, the better you're able to get out of the quicksand. Um, and so I, I think that could be a fitting analogy for distractions in prayer. The more I freak out and just, oh, why am I still distracted? The worse it's going to kind of get for us. But if I can just simply say, okay, yep, there's a there's a thought. It happened. Great. I'm going to focus on Jesus. The more calm we're able to remain, um, the more we're going to be able to stay in that union with our Lord. So it can be advantageous to look at what are these distractions and what's the Lord saying to me. But on the other hand, we want to make sure that we don't um, obsess or overanalyze because that's going to end up robbing us of a lot of peace. I'm reminded of when we did the episode on discernment and you know, how we don't want to over discern because then that can rob us of our peace. It's the same thing with prayer. Like we don't want to over analyze the distraction or where these distractions coming from or why it's happening, you know, um, because then it's just going to lead us into, um, into frustration down that dark path of depravity. 
That's right. That was a see, that anything? was a season one episode or reference for those of you who don't know. That was we're my so very. Seasoned, we're able to make references of ourselves. That was that was my uh, very first episode. That's right. Wow. That's right. Mary Kate, did you have any thoughts on what he shared? Um, no, not really. I mean, I completely agree with everything that he said. So the the last point um, that I said in here, which is definitely not necessarily the last point to say on distractions and prayer in general, just the last thing that I had to say was um, to talk about the benefits that there can be to being able to observe and notice if there are certain patterns of what it is that seems to be distracting me. Um, so sometimes, you know, it, it can be as immediate as someone just dropped all their books and that is distracting or, oh my gosh, there used to be this chapel that I would pray in. And no matter what day, no matter what time of day I would go, there would be this lady who God bless her heart. I pray he abundantly blesses her life. But the way that she prayed the rosary almost gave me an aneurysm because not only would she like whisper it out loud where you might as well say it out loudly, like we can all hear you. But then every like breath that she took, she was basically slamming the rosary against the pew in front of her. And it's like, how can you possibly focus when that's going on? Okay. So it's like, there's certain distractions like that, that you have to be again, like one of those Tibetan monks levitating out in the mountains to be able to not get distracted by that. But for the other things that maybe are a little bit more recurring, they're not quite the like immediate distractions like that. I think at least from my experience, and maybe this would be the experience of most other people, is that whenever I take notice of what tend to be my main distractions in prayer, it always tends to revolve around either my past or my future, mm-hmm. right? Either people are constantly looking back on conversations that they've had and like replaying it in their mind and maybe in a judgmental way on themselves thinking like, Oh, I should have said or done that differently. And they're constantly repaying, replaying the past or they're dwelling in shame over things from their past. Or what my temptation tends to be is more future things. I'm trying to plan for the future and okay, I've got that meeting coming up and am I ready for it? And uh, I've got this mass, what am I going to preach on? And I'm always thinking about the future and trying to plan all the details that are coming my way for the future. And that's my distraction. Well, if I begin to notice that's the pattern, then what I think could be happening there is that the Lord is revealing that to say, Hey, um, maybe, uh, you're dwelling too much on your past. You're dwelling too much on the future. And it's robbing you of being able to just be here in the present moment with me. So how about you surrender your past to me? You surrender the future to me and just be with me here. And now I I think my experience, most other experiences people have is that the distraction tends to be past or future. So the Lord will sometimes I think bring that to the surface so that we will um, more consciously surrender past or future to him. Reminds me of when Jesus says, you know, do not be anxious. Well, actually, for the Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, you know, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, right? Um, to not be anxious about the future or even like that dwelling on the past. But I do like that. Just be with me now, right? Just be with me now. If you don't have anything to say, like, that, like that's okay. Let's just sit, right? Um, and just be with the Lord uh, in the present. I, and I find in my personal experience, when I do that, I am less distracted. <laughs> um, 
that that I'm finding that I'm able to just be like, okay, Lord, like, I don't necessarily have anything to say, and you may not have anything to say, but let's just be together. Um, and there's still something consoling in that. Um, but when I start thinking about, you know, what I did two weeks ago, or what happened two weeks ago, then my mind just wanders, or I get frustrated, or I experience all different kinds of emotions. Or if I'm dwelling about the future, you know, anxious about the future, concerned about the future, that's almost worse than thinking back on the past. So, but that's just my personal, you know, experience in prayer. So, so my dad and my brothers actually used to have like a midnight holy hour at the Adoration Chapel when it was at St. Joseph's in Bay City. And um, I'm pretty sure every single one of them have remarked some of the best naps you can ever take is in adoration. And that's kind of one of those things where it's just like, just be with him, just rest with him. Maybe that's what he's calling you to. You don't necessarily have to say anything, just be with him. I remember when I was living in Finley, uh, my roommate Allie and I, we would take the 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. holy hour. Uh, She did it more than I did because it was actually her holy hour. I would just join her every once in a while. And uh, I remember there was this one time she just like laid down on the floor right in front of Jesus and fell asleep. And I didn't, I was sitting like two rows behind her and I didn't realize she fell asleep until it was time for us to go. And she heard the door open. She sits up. What just happened? <laughs> She's like, man, that was the best hour and a half nap that I've had in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Napping with our Lord. But mm-hmm. anyways, Father, did you get through all of the, all four points? Those were the four. Yeah, I, I had something else, but I, I got distracted. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> no pun intended. It, genuinely. So, yeah, but I, I might circle back to it. But if you have more to say, feel free. Well, I thought maybe we'd just spend some time here talking about what is, like, how do we know uh, the difference between, because we talked about, like, there's three people on the stage, right? And this is a very Father John Ricardo thing to say um, that there's us and God, and then there's the enemy, Right, and, and where Satan is trying to uh, really pull our, our attention away from from the Lord, and so, uh, what are some ways, or some that that you guys have experienced in your own life, some practical ways, or just knowledge of like, how do we know when it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us, when it's you know, or if it's the Lord Jesus speaking to us, or the Father speaking to us, versus when it's that third person on the stage. You know, when Satan, because we know that, that Satan's the father of lies, right? Father mentioned this. Um, but Satan can also disguise himself as an angel of light. And so he can disguise himself as something that seems 99% true and 1% false. And so sometimes it's hard to determine, um, is this distraction or what I'm experiencing, is it of the Lord or is it of Satan? And so um, I didn't know, like, I, I have a couple of ways um that, that I d- determined it. I'm not saying it's foolproof that it's 100% perfect. Um, I just was curious if you guys had any, like, what do you, how do you guys determine and discern um, whose voice it really is in prayer when a said distraction comes up? Yeah, I have um, maybe a few things to offer. First of all, I mean, I, I don't want to put anything out there of my own opinion that would overshadow our rich tradition. So, I mean, rules of discernment by Ignatius, like that's, that's a huge um, thing to go by at this point. Um, 
for how to determine kind of the voices of uh, what's the good spirit versus the evil spirit using his language. Um, but, but a couple other things to note uh, in the gospels, I, I can't remember exactly what passage, but Jesus basically says, you will know them by their fruits. Right. And so we want to be attentive to what are the fruits of uh, maybe what it is that I'm, uh, I, I feel is being uh, brought to the surface in prayer in terms of, it sounds like it could be from God. It could be from the enemy. Well, um, is it bringing me a sense of peace or is it kind of riling me up and stirring up more anxiety and fear in me? Because that might be an indication whether or not this is coming from uh, the good spirit and whether or not we can perceive the fruits of the spirit or not. Um, but then I think another kind of nifty uh, catchphrase that I've heard people say that's um, consistent with scripture is to talk about how, um, for instance, the Holy Spirit will convict us but the enemy wants to condemn us. Um, so in other words, if I uh, do something and um, I, like, I know that it was wrong and I, I went against my conscience, the Holy spirit might enlighten my conscience and convict me and say, Hey, in this particular instance, like you weren't exactly um, acting in the way God had was calling you to act. And, you know, there needs to be some repentance here and some reform versus a condemnation would be like, you're a terrible person. You're a terrible mother. Um, who do you think you are? You need to give up on prayer. I mean, that's, that's where it gets more to the person, mm-hmm. right. As opposed to a particular instance. Um, and so it, it's always coming out of love, even if sometimes there's that, um, e- even though love is sometimes the parents telling the child if they've done something wrong. Um, but there's a difference there between, um, that, that conviction and that condemnation that we need to be attentive to as well. Mary Kate, do you have anything? Again, Ignatius is is awesome. I think a big thing is peace. If you're feeling at Mm. peace with it, then you know that that's coming from the good spirit. If you don't feel at peace, then you need to cast it away type thing. And to remember that peace is not necessarily the absence of conflict, right? Because maybe God is calling me to do something very challenging, which I naturally feel a sense of, holy cow, this feels a little overwhelming and how is this possibly going to work out? And yet, if I have this like supernatural sense of peace, even in the midst of that, um, then I can have some assurance that this is more than likely coming from uh, God. So it's it's not to say that I automatically feel amazing and that things will look easy. It could be I'm facing something very daunting and very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be asked to walk on the water, right? And yet... I have this supernatural sense that it's going to be okay. Um, that's how you know that it's coming from the Lord. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I think it, it, I agree. And I've had both of what you, you know, what you guys are both saying. Um, I also, I found in my prayer, I, I try to pay attention to like, how does my physical body feel uh, when I get a said distraction or if I, I feel something, right? Um, because I'm noticing that as I, I journey with the Lord and as I pray, that things that the Lord speaks to me, I feel it in my gut. Like there's something like there's this this depth to it, almost this visceral feeling as well. Um, that's, you know, if it's peace, but also recognizing there may be conflict with it, but there's something like almost in my gut, right, that, that I feel that. And I, I mean, we hear like in scripture, like Jesus, he had those visceral reactions. Um, 
And I mean, I'm not saying that I I rely on that a hundred percent, but that's just one thing that I've like it happened once, and I'm thinking, hmm, that's interesting. And so I've started to kind of pay attention to it a little bit more. Like, okay, is this you know, is my heart starting to race as I'm thinking about this, like in anxiety? Because if that's the case, maybe not be from the Lord, right? Um, or if I'm laying awake at night because of something, right, that had been revealed to me in prayer, or maybe the Lord's placing on my mind and I'm taking it to prayer and I'm lying awake and not able to sleep. For me, it's been, okay, I don't think that this is from the Lord, like that, that Satan is trying to, to pull me away from this communion with the Lord. So I think like, for me, it's been some of these just actual physical body reactions to and paying attention to how how is my body, even because we're body, soul, composites like we go together and so the lord gives us these bodies and just pay attention so that might be for somebody um that if a thought or a distraction or something comes into your mind like and you're not sure you know is it the lord is it satan well how does how does your body feel you know too um i'm not saying it happens all the time um but there are some moments where i've definitely noticed like i've noticed joy in the pit of my gut type of thing or i've i've felt just extreme anxiety or something in the pit of my gut i'm thinking okay so there's some indication there right of of what it is and um i also too i reflect on is is what i'm feeling or what i'm hearing um is it something that is is is, is it something that i would communicate to another person right um because we talked about how prayer is a dialogue so if what is what I'm receiving, because I think it was Father Kevin, you mentioned the, the person, right? That Satan attacks the person. Um, and so if I'm feeling attacked with my, like my personhood is being attacked or my dignity is being attacked, those aren't things that I would say to somebody else, uh, or at least I shouldn't. <laughs> Sin, our fallen nature, may cause us to, right? Uh, but morally and consciously, we know that we shouldn't say that to somebody else. So, if, if we're receiving it, well, then it's probably not of the Lord because the Lord does not, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't condemn our personhood. He will convict us um, because he wants us to grow closer to him. He wants us to grow in holiness. So, I, I also view that, you know, okay, is what I'm hearing, is it something I would repeat to somebody else? You know, or is it something that I would say to somebody else? Um, that's usually a good indicator, um, you know, of who who it's is speaking to us. So, um, those are yeah, those are just my thoughts on on that too. So, um, yeah. Anything else on prayer? Go ahead, Father. Yeah, I mean, I think this just goes to show this whole conversation and just all the nuances and all the different. You know, how do I know if this is God or speaking to me or not? And that's why I think it's so important for anyone who desires to grow in their prayer life and they want to take these questions seriously. Number one, to kind of study our tradition. Um, The catechism is a huge um, source of just, it's just a wealth of knowledge and a lot of insights into the experience of prayer. So starting there and then going through various um, authors like Father Jacques Philippe, um, Father Donald Haggerty is a favorite of mine. There's uh, St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, a ton of classics in our tradition to familiarize yourself with. But 
you know, this is also, we've mentioned it before, but a kind of a word of encouragement for someone who really wants to take their prayer life seriously um, to consider having a spiritual director as well to be that outside perspective um, because sometimes we can convince ourselves of something and then we need that outside perspective to say, um, you know, you're being too hard on yourself here or um, you might be a little delusional here. You know, we, we need that outside perspective to kind of hold us in check. So it's not necessarily for everyone, but, um, you know, if, if you feel like you want to grow more in prayer, you need that outside perspective to um, help you to maybe uh, guide you in discerning these various things. Um, either starting with someone you know who's a spiritual director, or um, you can start out asking a priest. And if that priest isn't able to take you on, they might be able to at least direct you towards someone who perhaps is uh, trained in uh, this exercise to be able to help you. And I just think of with golf, right? Like if I want to improve my golf swing, it helps to have someone outside of me who's looking at me and can give me feedback that I don't realize as I'm doing the swinging. So too with prayer, I need an outside perspective to show me things that um, I don't realize uh, I where I might be off because I've convinced myself that like this is reality. This is the way it has to be. And then that outside perspective can say, well, no, actually, here's um, something you should uh, consider. So just right. word of encouragement for that. No, and I highly support spiritual director. Um, and I think it too, it goes back to that whole Satan will speak a 99% truth and a 1% lie. And it when it's being spoken to us, Sometimes it is very hard for us to see that 1% lie where, as you were saying, Father, somebody else can very easily say, ah, mm, no, you know, um, check that. So it just, it reinforces the beauty of the body of Christ um, and the necessary, uh, the necessity of the body of Christ and how we each have different gifts, right, to be able to help each other on the journey. So Mary-Kate, were you going to say something? Nope. Cool. Well, we probably could talk a long time about distractions and prayer, but um, I would say just kind of a recap, you know, like don't criticize yourself too much. Uh, you know, don't become over analytical or criticizing yourself too much uh, when you experience distractions in prayer, but recognizing all of us experience distractions in prayer. Even people that uh, monks and religious that have been, you know, 50, 60 years uh, in vows uh, living this life, I guarantee you a lot of them would say, if not all of them, oh yeah, I experienced that. You know, they may be far lesser than what we would, but still there. Um, but they've never given up. And that's the thing, right? right? It's just, don't get discouraged. Right. So you throw in the towel. Yeah. Right. Continue to keep going, uh, which is the whole Christian life, right? We fall down, we get back up again, right? It's the beauty of the sacrament of reconciliation. Um so don't get distracted. Uh, also recognizing that uh, the Holy Spirit convicts and not condemn. Right. Uh, go ahead. One thing I forget. You said something there that just triggers something. Um, I would just say, from a priest's perspective, as a priest who hears confessions, um, distractions in prayer. You have to be very careful about bringing that to confession and thinking that that's a sin. Right? Because if something is a sin, you, you have to be like engaging your will um, and you are free in, in this choice. And so we can't always help the fact that distractions have come into prayer. So um, if, if you were to confess, you know, I was distracted in prayer, there's a difference between I felt that distraction versus like I pursued with my will um, staying distracted. Those are two different things. Right. That you entertain the distraction versus just acknowledging it, moving on. Um, yeah. 
So those two. What were some other the other couple of things? Don't overanalyze. Uh, don't critique. Holy Spirit convicts, not condemns. You're a little baby on God the Father's lap. Yes. Just let him delight in you. Yes. <laughs> you are the apple. You are the masterpiece. You are, yes, delight in the Lord. And then uh, the fourth one. What was the fourth one? Or did I combine oh. two? I can't remember. Oh, I did these out of order. The from actual what four points. Oh, uh, for, first. Okay. Just um, read the, the Lord name knows one. our weaknesses. Um, he's sympathetic to that. Second one, the enemy wants to discourage us through the distractions. Um, the third one, don't overanalyze. It's like quicksand. The fourth one, it can be helpful to notice the patterns because perhaps it's revealing we're dwelling in the past or the present and we need to surrender that and be, um, or we're, we're dwelling in the past or the future and we need to surrender it to stay in the present. There you go. I tried to summarize yeah. them up and then I was getting all mixed up. So, it's all Anyways, good. so, all right. Well, thanks for the discussion, friends. This is great. And it was good. Yeah. We really, we didn't plan this one at all. We really just said, oh, this is what we're going to talk about. And we went for it. So, um, but it's very fitting, especially coming off of Lent into the Easter season. So um, anyways, all right, let's jump into One Joys. I was on spring break trip recently. Um, I went to go visit a friend in Florida. So I got a nice tan. I didn't get too sunburned because when I came back, it was Palm Sunday and I didn't want to match my vestments. <laughs> with the red. Yeah. So, um, but it was nice just to be outside in warm weather. We didn't do a ton of things. I, I was down there with a buddy of mine and it was more just a time to relax, just be in warm weather, sunshine. Um, it was really cool. One of the days we went to Cocoa Beach and we got to see um, a space launch from Cape Canaveral, which was um, really cool experience. Um, and I was swimming in the ocean for part of it. So it was just a good trip, restful, relaxing and help to kind of re-energize me coming back here and entering into Holy Week. Cool. Mary-Kate? Um, so this past Friday, Jason and I got to have a little date night. Um, we went to the Saginaw Spirit game. They're in the playoffs right now. I think it was the second game of the playoff, and right now they're leading in the series against the Flint Firebirds. Um, and my mother-in-law had actually gotten these tickets from where she works, and so we were right on the glass. It was fantastic. Jason was going crazy because he's a huge hockey fan. Um, there was so many almost fights. There was almost a fight right in front of us. Um, and so it was just a really fun time. Um, and Jason pretty much didn't have a voice the next day, which was almost a problem because he had to canter on Palm Sunday. So luckily his voice came back in time for mass yesterday. Yay. Uh, my one joy was Father Kevin just lighting a match. <laughs> well, because you were making the bird gesture with your hands. Oh, so I was yeah, the yeah, fire. Yeah. fire so bird. we were the fire birds. Fire birds. We promised we were paying attention oh, okay. to your one joy. I'm hearing you church bells. Distracted. Is that here? That would be my church. Okay. Yeah, it's, bells. It's, it's 6 p.m. Oh, Yo. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary. Okay, I'm done. Anyways, We're not doing this. <laughs> uh, um, my one joy was after the day that Mary Kate and Jason moved into their house, we went over it. So it was the solemnity of the Annunciation. So uh, me and our friend Colleen went over and we christened the house. Uh, I bought some cheap, uh, it was like $8 sparkling champagne. <laughs> 
we we popped the cork in the house and Jason got it all over the floor and it was sticky, <laughs> uh, but it was totally, totally worth it. Uh, and we just, it was just a, a beautiful time to just enjoy and uh, just have fellowship. And then my baptism day uh, is, my baptism anniversary is March 26th. So it was just kind of two days of, so it was the vigil time. So we were still celebrating the solemnity, but then also it was a, a little bit of a beginning celebration for my baptism, which was, um, I always just, I hold that day so special in my heart. Um, th- though some days I, I wish that I would have been baptized the day before, but uh, the Lord in his great mercy, I was baptized on the 26th. So I get two days of uh, celebrating and it's most of the time during Lent. So yeah, it was my, my one joy. So, all right. Well, uh, shall we close in prayer? Yep. Father, would you like to close and give us your blessing then? Sure. In the name of the Father, <laughs> Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you delight in us, that you see us as the apple of your eye. What a gift that is, Lord, how freeing that is for us to just enter into that identity. We pray, Lord, that you would always grant us the grace of um, encouragement and perseverance when it comes to prayer. May we not be overwhelmed or discouraged by distractions that we face, but time and time again, simply surrender ourselves to you in our poverty asking that you would help us, that you would teach us, that you would guide us in growing in deeper union with you. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. Thanks, Father. All right. Friends, good to see you as always. Yep. Yep. Take care. All right. See ya. God bless everyone. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) 